Children are dismissed back to Praise Factory. And if you would grab your Bible and open to Romans chapter 8, you can use your phone. That's good too. Uh, Open up and we're going to be looking at the book of of Romans as we uh, continue to consider what it, it means to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. And so I'm going to read, uh, starting in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, and I'm going to read to verse 28, and there's a bunch of stuff in there, and that's why we just, we left number one out, and we left everything that came after uh, Romans 8, 29. There's there's some, 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 uh, powerful and important things that that we need to to grasp as believers uh important truths that uh, encourage us in, in our faith. so we're gonna we're gonna read there and then we will pray and turn to the explanation of god's word this is what romans 8 verse 2 says for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in christ jesus from the law of sin and death For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. But anyone who does not have the spirit of God does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope 
that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we await eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Let's pray and then turn to the explanation of God's word. Lord Jesus, we thank you that there are so many good and precious and powerful truths in this passage. Someone has said that this is the greatest chapter of the scriptures, and that may be true. Uh, What is true is that we could mine these verses for applications and for ways in, in, in which we ought to change our thinking. We could, we could consider your character and your goodness and the many blessings that you give to us, and we could spend weeks here, perhaps even on each verse. But the way that you had this written, Lord, you spoke this, you inspired this to be given to the church by Paul who was writing a letter to his friends who he was hoping would would send him on so that he could share the gospel with others lord and so we want to we want to look at this passage we want to view the the, the terrain of it. We want to take a quick look through, Lord, and we want to see the way in which you're speaking to us and all the things that you've done for us in Christ that we might be amazed at your goodness and your character and the blessings that you've given to us in Christ. And then we would say, like Paul, who, who had to write it and who had to communicate it, we would say, I want to share that with others. I want others to know what I have. There's no lack of your grace. We don't need to preserve it. It is not in limited quantity. We can give it away all day and never exhaust it. And so we pray that that would be our burden, Lord. Challenge us and change us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, when you're When you're in a new place, uh, many times you see things, observe things, interact with things, and you don't really know what's going on, right? You just assume that everything in in another place is kind of the way it is where where you come from. And so it's not much much of a a personal impact to walk over a bridge while uh, while walking on a dirt road uh, in Zambia. 
But um, as, as, as I've read more and, and studied more, uh, I've seen pictures of things and, uh, and said, oh, I think, I think I've seen that before. There, there are these uh, places when you're, when you're walking on, on dirt roads in, in Zambia where um, I'm waiting for recognition from Melissa, right? Uh, where where you, you come across what looks like three sewer pipes, right? There's, there's, there's three openings, and then there is this very defined concrete bridge, right, that, that crosses over a dry riverbed, and it's like, what's the point? Like, just go down to the riverbed and come up. You know, there's no water here, right? Why, why this intensely well-built bridge in the middle of nowhere, right? Um, it's just, it's strange. It's like, it's like if you uh, ever come across an abandoned building, you're like, why doesn't anybody come here anymore? Like, what was this place? What, what was it? What is its purpose? Or, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, well, well, here's the thing. When we go to Zambia, it's dry, right? There's no, there's no rain. Um, it's the dry season. And so everything is wilting and turning brown and the, the riverbeds are dry or there's just a little tiny trickle. Uh, the story from the developing world is, is that when the rainy season comes, yes, there is a sense of here comes the blessing because the crops will grow and we'll have, we'll have something to eat. Uh, but with the blessing also comes the fact that water is extremely dangerous. And we, don't, we don't think that. Generally, but flash floods can come in the rainy season in the middle of the night. Um, reports have, have come from different places that, that people need to flee in the middle of the night to find shelter on, on higher ground. Uh, and often when they get to the river, which is in between them and higher ground, they find that they cannot cross. There is no safe place. Uh, what what was just something that they could hop over in the middle of the summer has now become an incredibly dangerous situation. Few people know how to swim. Uh, Houses are swept away. Villages are destroyed. Uh, I read one report about a a place where um, flash floods struck, and over the years, multiple people from this village, whether they were hauling goods someplace in carts or in trucks, where over and over everything, including the driver, had just been swept away and and then found miles and miles away when the water finally receded. Well, someone said what they need here is a well-built bridge that cannot be swept away, that, that cannot be affected by the rainy season. I, I remember we were driving up to, to campus once, and um, we're, we're driving up this road. We always get there in the dark in the middle of the night, and there's like a giant, huge rock in the middle of the road, like big, like bigger, like, like this big, right? And you're like, who put a road with this giant rock here? Well, the rock wasn't there last season. Right? And in the middle of the rainy season, the water comes and the rock either rolls into the middle of the road or it was there under the road and now has been exposed. Like the conditions just change. They have uh, flood resistant bridges. Amazing to read the account of this village and, and their story and how their life has changed because somebody installed this bridge to help and to protect them. 
uh, as our culture changes, as we grow older, as we face different tragedies and struggles in life, uh, the floodwaters get worse, don't they? We face difficult conditions. How many bridges are there for people to run over out in our culture today? Right? You, you look at the, the, the standard bridges that are out there of, of financial security or, or personal security or, or fulfillment in, in marriage or in family, and we see all of these institutions under attack and failing in some places. We hear examples of, of struggle and difficulty, and people are lacking in confidence and hope. Now, here's what somebody said to me earlier in the week. I heard that 40% of people would show up to a church to worship if somebody would just invite them. Isn't that amazing? Right? We look around churches in, in Salisbury. We look around churches in the United States, and, and, and the report is that they're closing at a rate of eight to 10000 a year. Is that astounding? But 40% of people would come if somebody would just invite them. 60% of people are not going to show up in a church. They're not going to show up and say, explain or strengthen my faith. Right? Explain this thing to me. Help me. And so here's the question. Or here's the statement, rather. Why debate the truth, right? We have to build bridges. We have to be bridge builders. There's a few reasons why. We didn't seek God. We heard that. We see that in the book of Romans. We don't seek God. No one can please God in their flesh. They need the spirit in them. Jesus came to build a bridge to us, right? People bridged the gap for the Apostle Paul, right? Barnabas reaches to him. We studied that in weeks past. Paul bridges the gap to the world, doesn't he? What we just read about the blessings of of knowing Jesus is written by Paul and preserved in the word, and therefore we're able to say, this is the truth, this is amazing. And if I look back at my life, When I was wandering and running from the Lord, I look at the connections that the Lord provided to me, the way in which he put people in my path who would reach out to me and share with me and be persistent to me with me and even annoying me at times, trying to to draw me to Christ. A long line of faithful people. Bridge builders. I want to I look at Romans chapter 8 and look at gospel blessings that we have in Christ and the way that, that they can work with, within our lives and the way that they affect our relationship with those who we know and love. In, in Romans 8, 2 through 4, we see that the Spirit provides freedom. Look at what The scriptures say that Jesus does here. It says that the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. 
By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Here is what the Spirit provides to us. We desperately need to be freed from sin, from our own sins, from our our unrighteous actions, from from the corruption that lives within us, you know, that impulse that says, yeah, I know that's bad, but I want it anyway. And we're like, why? Why is that? Why am I drawn to it? Do moths know that, like, candles and bug zappers are deadly? They just, they, they go right to them, right? We know that sin affects our relationship. We know that, that often after sinning, almost immediately we feel the guilt and the regret, and yet we're drawn to it. Why? Because of, of, of inner corruption. It says that the Spirit has set us free from that. God, verse 3, says, builds a bridge to us to set us free. The scriptures say that the law is there to teach us what sin is and, and, and righteousness is to obey the law. And the Bible says that we must be perfect to stand in God's presence. His law is perfect, but no one can fulfill it, right? That's not weakness of the law. That's weakness of us. That, that we're unable to fulfill it, that we're unable to live up to God's standard. That's weakness in us. So, so the law is weak, not in itself. It's perfect, but we're weak. And so it says that God does what the law couldn't do because it was weak through us. He sends his son, he sends Jesus to be just like us, to take on a human body And since Jesus never sins, never violates the law, he's able to step in as a perfect sacrifice. And God condemns Jesus in the flesh, putting all sin on him, condemns him in the flesh, punishes punishes sin, so that he can give righteousness to all those who would look at Jesus and say, I need a savior I need, I need someone to, to take the penalty for me. I need someone to receive my punishment. It says here that the righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled in us when God gives us the righteousness of Christ. So Jesus has set us free from the laws regarding sin and death. The Bible says that the soul that sins must die. That's a law. There's no violating that. If God breaks that law, he is unrighteous. But what he can do is ask a willing sacrifice to take the penalty. He can ask a willing and perfect sacrifice to take the penalty for sins so that they can be paid for and righteousness can be given to others. And that's what he does in Christ. God did this, it says in verse 3, by sending his own son. Sorry, that's, yeah, that's verse 3. And so we are set free to walk according to the Spirit. To, when we're prompted by the Spirit to cry out, I need a Savior, I need to be set free. We look to Christ, we say, I need redemption, I need righteousness, and God gives it to us, and we're able to, 
to walk according to the Spirit and not according to our flesh, which deserves condemnation. This is the good news. If you have put your faith and trust in Christ, then you have spiritual freedom. You are set free from all sin, past, present, and future. All sin is canceled out and put on him. If you have Christ, you have freedom. And if you have Christ, you have the Spirit. And this is the amazing thing. You go out into the world, you go to different places, and you interact with people that I don't know, and people that other people in the room don't know, and maybe you share some relationships, right? And, oh, I know this person, and you know that person. But you interact with an entirely different set of people. And that means that if you have the Spirit and you have freedom... You have the Spirit and Christ is in you. Then you bring him where you go. And you are able to build a bridge. It's people who need freedom. You know, one of the reasons why they say that people leave churches is they say, um, I just didn't feel connected. They also say, this is the second most common complaint, they said, I, I wasn't really growing right? Connection and, and growth. At some point, you reach a point where there's no new information, right? And I'm not saying that God's not going to surprise you with new insights from the word, right? But if, if, if the goal of the Christian life and the goal of sanctification and, and growth is to like read the book of Leviticus and really understand the implications of the, the, the tabernacle and, and what the different cloths mean and, and whether the, the gold you know, and silver uh, footings and poles, like what they really mean. Like, I'll, let me tell you what they mean. Okay, I'll solve this for you. They're gold and silver poles so that the tabernacle stands up. <laughs> the tabernacle is a symbol of Christ and of redemption. And it's a symbol. It's a type and shadow. It passes away when he comes and goes to the cross and accomplishes that. Sometimes tent pegs are tent pegs. They point to Christ. The reason many people don't feel connected is because they're not connected to the mission. And the reason they're not growing is because at some point, like, you know, I like to think about running I like to even I, think about it. I, no, I love to I love to think of myself and just like the wind in my hair, you know. Headphones on, you know, my phone is in a little thing that looks cool, right? And I'm I'm running and I'm like and I'll have these shoes on. And I like to think about running, but thinking about running is not running. Right? And I can only get the benefit of 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 thinking about running if I actually then say, oh, I am going to go run, right? And so all my, like, I could buy seven pairs of shoes, and I could buy all the, uh, the, the equipment, and I could go get that. Um, Nancy used to buy this, like, stinky laundry detergent for stinky boy sports clothes, you know? Like, I could get every, everything I need, you know, in order to, to make my entire running life great. But unless I run, you, you hit, you hit the, the ceiling, right? <laughs> Until you, you take the next step, until you break through. One of the reasons why people are like, there's just no new insights coming from the word. 
There's, there's just no new connection. I just, I'm not feeling it anymore. It's because we're not pushing through and saying, maybe all this information that we've gathered needs to be shared. The Spirit's given me freedom. And I'm looking at a world that Ephesians says is held captive. Am I using what I know to release others? I just don't feel connected in my church. I have a brilliant idea. Go connect with a bunch of people and share the gospel with them and bring them in. Amen. That is a way to feel fulfilled and connected and to grow, to live the mission. The Spirit provides freedom. The Spirit also provides life. Once we have life, once the Spirit comes in, we are set free and we are given the ability to choose. It says in Romans 8, 5, that those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, and those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. It is possible to receive freedom and the Spirit and never make the setting change, right? Now, we were just talking about laundry detergent a moment ago. Some of you guys understand the mysteries of laundry, like what setting to put what on, like I think, is it hot water that if you put like mixed colors in there, everything like turns gray? Is that... Is that the way it works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like, what setting did you put it on? Sometimes Nancy will say, like, did you, did you put it on cold? Did you put it, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. Well, think about if it, if it will negatively affect your laundry, right? Think about if you've, if you've not determined when I, now, now that I've received freedom from Christ, I'm going to set my mind on walking according to the spirit. How much more will our life go wrong if we don't, intend to head in the right direction. The mind set on the flesh, the mind, the mind that says, I receive the freedom that comes from Christ, but I don't, I don't act in a way consistent with it. It says that that mind is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. The mind set on the flesh, verse 7 says, is hostile to God and will not submit to God's law. Yeah, but you just said God's law is impossible to keep, Keith. How could I possibly live up? Well, think about it. We've talked about this before. You can flip in this very book, the book of Romans. It says that the one who loves has fulfilled the law. All those rules are there to point us to what loving action is. To, to point us to what God's character is like. And when we are set free from the penalty of the law, we're able to fulfill the purpose of God's law, which is to love and to embrace and to be generous with God's truth, with the blessings that he's given to us, with the blessings of the gospel. Individuals are free to choose in Christ where they set their minds, according to the flesh or according to the the spirit. Here's Here's the good news. When we are set free and we are able to choose, it is evidence that the spirit is dwelling within us. Think about this. When we put our faith and trust in Christ and we receive his righteousness, the spirit comes with it. And the very spirit of God is within us. If this were not in the Bible, I would not believe it. I believe it's Peter who says that we have become partakers of the divine nature. Right? New agey people are like, we're all gods. Like You are your own god. You know, like, you can do it. And we're, we, we ought to rightly say, no, that's not, no, not like that. But when the Spirit comes in, he puts his very life within us. 
We're saved by the life of Jesus, which is applied to us. And it's applied by the Spirit who is in us. And he is the one who's prompting us to follow God's will and God's way. Love that person. It'll make a difference. Love that person. It won't make a difference. But it'll shape your character, right? You know, it will grow you. Persist in faith. Obey, not to earn God's affection, but because of it. It says in verse 11, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. In this life, we can be assured that if the spirit is in us, then we are righteous in God's sight. Sins canceled out. He gives us perfection. And with that blessing, with that awareness, comes the knowledge and the hope that when this physical body wears out, that God will give us life. He has already given it to us. And he will raise us from the dead just like he raised Christ. If you have Christ, you have the Spirit. And if you have the Spirit, you have life. And you take that life wherever you go. And there are people who need to hear about it. There are people who are going to tell you this week, I'm not going to be in work tomorrow. I got to go to a funeral. And I'll tell you what, I hope that that guy who runs that funeral, he had better do a good job and he had better preach the gospel. That is the, that is the time people are upset. They, they need direction. They are thinking about their own lives and their mortality. Uh, and that person who runs that funeral should say, this is the truth, and this is the way that you relate to God. And then you have an opportunity to follow up. To talk to them about where they can find life. Amen. Work together. Build a bridge. The Spirit provides freedom. He provides life. The Spirit also provides acceptance. Have you noticed, Andy Rooney, have you ever noticed that... The world speaks about acceptance, but only as long as we are accepting that which is acceptable, as defined by the world. Accepting what is acceptable, uh, as defined by the world, is acceptable. But accepting what is not acceptable, as defined by the world, is intolerable. That's how tolerance works, right? That's not the way that Christ works. The Spirit accepts us and draws us toward the Lord. He is willing to point out this must go, this must die, this must be put to death, but persist and come forward because you are accepted. It is not you are only acceptable if you do these things. It is you are accepted and therefore do these things. Walk in this way. Follow the Lord like this. And so what it says here in Romans 8, 12, so then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, right? We, we feel the pull and the attraction of, of sin in our flesh, and we're like, I don't know if I can resist. What Paul is saying is, you don't have a debt to sin. You don't have to pay that at all. You don't have to pay attention to it. You don't have to give in to it. You're not a debtor to the flesh. Instead, 
You have been given this spirit of of freedom who sets you free, and you've been given a spirit which is a spirit of adoption, it says there in verse 15, the spirit of adoption as sons. And what that prompts from you is the cry of help. Abba, Father, where we reach out to the Lord. I love that prayer, Abba, Father, that cry. Because I think it expresses something that, that we understand. That, that when we cry out in need, that those who help, help, right? You've had this experience where you have said to someone, help me, and they have, right? And the way that that feels. There was a moment in Peter's life when he saw the Lord. You know, Peter's like the gold star disciple, isn't he? He's like, he's always, he's always thinking and he's always putting stuff together. And even if, even if he's not the one who comes up with the answer like somebody else does, you know, Peter's the one who says it loudly, right? You know, have you ever done this where, where someone says a joke that's funny but nobody hears it and then you repeat it and everybody laughs, right? And you're like, you... I, I do this. I take credit for jokes that aren't mine. Like I'm in a room, you know, and somebody says something that's not funny. And then I'll, usually if I steal a joke like that, I'll say to the person, like, I just want anybody to hear it. Um, anyway, this is, I'm getting my, I'm confessing here. Okay. Um, so, so, so Peter, right, is w- watching. They're in a stormy situation and he sees Jesus walking on the water and he's like, it's, it, it's, the, they're all like, it's a ghost. And he's like, no, it's the Lord, Right. Um, but he's, he's kind of uncertain, so he says, if you're the Lord, then command me or, or tell me to come out on, on the water with you. And Jesus is like, yeah, sure, come on out, right? And so, so, so Peter steps out onto the water, right? And he starts walking towards Jesus. There's a great song by Brian Duncan, by the way. Fire it up on iTunes or whatever your, you know, YouTube. It's brilliant. Because it's not just like they're walking on flat water. It's a fun song. Like, the wa- water's fun, right? Ocean's fun. So, so they're out there, and right, Peter's looking at Jesus, and he suddenly realizes people can't walk on water. Yeah, he takes his eyes off of Jesus, he starts to sink, and this is what he does. He prays, Lord, save me. It's a short prayer. This is not some long, drawn-out, like, we thank thee, Lord, for thy many blessings, because he'd have been at the bottom of the ocean, right? Lord, save me, and Jesus grabs him. Abba, Father, the spirit of adoption that comes on us when we have the righteousness of Christ, the spirit living within us is an acceptance by which we can say, Lord, save me, and he will. He always will. Always, always. What is this impulse that that lives within us that makes us think that we need to live like Adam and Eve? Right? With their, their response to their awareness of their own sinfulness was to run and hide, wasn't it? Yep. The book of Hebrews, yeah, shame, shame drives us away. But a spirit of acceptance says when you feel conviction and the wrongness of, of what you've done and you, you feel like I have, I have failed and I need help and I need rescue, we can say, 
Abba, Father, and he will accept us, right? The, the book of Hebrews says, let us then draw near with confidence to the throne of grace in a time of need. Amen. Not like in a season of great behavior, right? Like, man, I have had my quiet time all week. I am prayed up. I am ready. I have not done any of the things that I normally do that make me feel horrible, like I'm not a good Christian. Man, I'm going to ask God for some stuff that I need, Right? No, it's like when, you, when you're like, I can't remember the last, I don't even know where my Bible is, right? Where did I leave it? I can't remember when the last time I've prayed is. And, and things are messed up, and I'm the reason why. The Bible does not say, run away then, it says, draw near then. Why? Because of the spirit of acceptance and adoption. And what ought that acceptance create in us? It ought to create a sense of, we can always draw near, and we ought to cultivate that connection. We ought to, to hold tightly, not because we're living perfectly, but because he lived perfectly for us, and because he always accepts us. The spirit of adoption, verse 17, says, makes us heirs, and it means that if we suffer with him, we will be glorified with him. Think about this. If you have Christ, you have the ability to put your sin to death. If you have Christ, you know that he will never leave you or forsake you. And he is always there, even when you're not doing well, when you need him. And you can draw near. If you have Christ, you know that your suffering is not meaningless. And if you have Christ, you know that God will continue to shape you and to glorify you, you and, and fit you for eternity. Because you have the spirit of adoption. Now think about this. You bring that spirit with you wherever you go. And so when you're talking to people who are struggling with the why and who are saying, I'm just not good enough or the Lord would never accept me or you don't know the things that I've done, you can say, I have great news for you. And you can build a bridge that can weather any storm. Finally, the Spirit provides strength and intercession. The Spirit helps in our weaknesses. We look at situations, we look at things that we're dealing with, we look at the condition of the world, and we're like, how do you even begin to pray for this situation or that situation? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just pray. Have you ever been in a situation where you totally get it wrong, where... You say something wrong. I was, I was in Ecuador and I, I said something that was potentially offensive as I was um, uh, teaching a New Testament survey. And it just kind of slipped out the way things do. You speak for a living, right? You use up all your words early in the morning, you know, and, and you get to the place where you don't have any words left and you start saying really dumb stuff. And, you know, it just sometimes it just slips out. And, uh, and I looked over at the translator like I did not mean that. Like, that was bad. And he said, I didn't say that. <laughs> Great. Like, and I'm like, hey, Brian, how would you say that? And he's like, I'd say it like this. I'm like, yeah, say that. It's awesome. Like, this, you've got this buffer, you know? I need one, like, all the time. Yeah. yeah. Okay, tell him this is what I want to pay for the car, right? You know? And then he translates it. That's what the Spirit does for us. It says that, he, that we don't know how to pray as we ought. 
But the Spirit intercedes for us. You're like, I, I don't know whether, whether to pray to ask God for this or do I ask him for that? Will I seem discontent if I ask for this? Will I seem wrong? Will he be angry with me? You know, all the anxiety and fear and stress about praying. But guess what? Spirit's helping, fixing, translating, helping us in our weakness. Paul says that's where we want to go, right? We want to be weak so that in our weakness we can be strong because when we're weak, we're depending on him for strength. He intercedes with us, for us, with groanings too deep for words. Jesus and the Father who search hearts, who, who discern the inner reality, it says in verse 27, know what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit's interceding for us. Again, this is the implication that we are completely and utterly accepted. And then we hear this truth. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, even the worst things. Thomas Watson, in his book on this verse, says, it is easy to see how the all things that are good work together for good for those who love God. That's easy. He devotes the balance of the book to how the bad things work together for good. Firm foundation there as he examines all that. But we can have a rock-solid assurance that God is in charge of our circumstances, superintending everything, knows what we're going through, and we can say, I don't know how I will get through this. I don't know how he will get me through this. I don't see how this is good, but I know that it is. The Spirit provides for us in our weakness. He provides strength, he intercedes, and he gives the assurance that things will be good. And that Spirit's in you, and you take him wherever you go. And that means that when people say, this crisis has come upon me, we can say, here's a bridge. Let me finish by saying this. 40%... I don't know why this number exists. I don't know how you establish this with the United States population. But if 40% of people will come when we invite them, on what basis are we appealing to people and saying, you should come? You should come. You'll like the music. Maybe they won't. Maybe they like rap, right? <laughs> we don't generally do that. And that's not a suggestion, but, you know. It's not, it's not, we should have more rap music. Anyway, what, yeah, anyway, I don't want to, yeah, let's not talk about that. What are we inviting them to do? We sang earlier, behold our God. We're, 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 we're sharing and teaching and relating truths that appeal to the deepest needs that people have. We ought to, we ought to be free with those invitations. And we ought to, to say to people, you should come. You know, the, the truth will set you free. It will change you. It will challenge you. And then there's 60% who won't come. And what we ought to be thinking about is how through my life and my humility and, and my testimony, how can I point them to this place and show them that the Spirit has given me freedom, that the Spirit has given me life, that the Spirit is the one who, who shows me acceptance and he gives me strength and he intercedes for me and he's what I need. That the Lord Jesus is the most important thing in the universe to me. And maybe as they hear 
all those benefits and blessings and they see that it's not you putting your confidence in the car that you drive or in the house that you're finally almost paid off with or with the pool that you're installing or the vacation that you took. You know, any of those things. They see you looking to Christ. They'll say, I need to look at that too. How do I figure that out? Tell me more about that. So let's open the Bible together. I want to to finish... I hadn't planned on finishing this way. A friend of mine, we, we drove up to this preaching event uh, the other night, and uh, he was talking about his, his conversion, and uh, he was at an event where a guy said, hey, everybody in the room stand up, right? And everybody in the room stood up, and he said, um, if you heard uh, somebody preaching on the radio and that's how you got saved, sit down, right? And, uh, and then if somebody shared the gospel with you, sit down, right? And everybody sat down, and he was the only one left standing. And the guy was like, how did you get saved? And he said, well, I was hopeless and didn't know what to do. And so I read the Bible. And the guy said, he was smiling when he said it. He said, it doesn't work like that, right? But that's how it does work, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And if we can just get these words into people's hands, if we can show people this is where life comes from. This is where we learn about Jesus, right? This guy in the middle of a hopeless period said, I've read all the other religious texts in the world. I'm going to read the Bible. And he started reading in Matthew, and it changed his life. Now he's planting a church and preaching and doing all kinds of stuff. 12 or 15 years later, somebody built a bridge. We ought to do that as well. There is joy and excitement and adventure when we say, I am, I am going to connect to others and I am going to bring these words to them. I am going to bridge the gap. Because somebody bridged the gap for you. Amen. The Lord Jesus laid down his life for you, for us. This word has been protected to build a bridge to us but not just for us, so that we can build a bridge to others. So let's do that, knowing that that pleases the heart of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here and to proclaim your word. I pray that that you would establish what is good and remove what's been unhelpful. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would look to your son. If there's anyone here who hasn't put their faith and trust in him I pray that they would do that look away from their goodness look away from from the good things that they've done acknowledging their own fallenness and sinfulness say I need righteousness we thank you for the promise that though the law was weak you sent your son to fulfill the requirements of your law in the flesh And Lord, for those who are Christians and who are struggling with either connection or with growth or or looking for the next thing, you've been saying it for over 2,000 years. Go and make disciples. That is where the joy and the excitement is, building bridges and connections for you. Lord, we pray that you would make it so in our lives through Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Let's stand and sing a closing song together.